0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're discussing manufacturing in the UK and in particular hard tech manufacturing. With me to discuss that is Peter Marsh, founder of Made Here Now. Peter Marsh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Before we dive into the detail of UK manufacturing, what is Made Here Now and and why did you set it up?
1: Well, to explain that, I'm a journalist. I've worked as a journalist all my working life. I worked for a long time at the Financial Times where I wrote a lot about manufacturing on a global level. I perceived that it was a, a, a much more interesting sector than many people give it credit for. I was able to travel the world, talking to loads of people about it. Finished writing a book about the world of manufacturing and how it, how it works, really, called The New Industrial Revolution and then in 2013 I left the Financial Times I suppose because I reached the, the, the sort of retirement age and then I thought well what what shall I do now? I did a few things actually but one of them was the set up Made Here Now. Now Made Here Now is a project to do with highlighting the uh, success stories of British manufacturing and it, I wanted to do it in a journalistic way rather than a public relations type way so things on it follow the same sort of rules as the Financial Times there's no fear or fever given to people and essentially it's got two uh, elements to it one is talking about these successful and interesting British manufacturing companies t- to discuss the things that make them good why are they good what are they doing with the view really to drawing in younger people to think this might be an interesting career for me and and the second element is some a lot of information structured i and the other people behind it hope is in an interesting and informative way about what are the opportunities and training etc etc it is sponsored in order to get any money it it needs sponsorship from people and we've got quite a number of sponsors over the years who've given sums of money but they don't really get anything out of it other than the feeling that they're doing something which they think is valuable and interesting mm. so there isn't any advertising mm. so it's a peculiar sort of vehicle but it seems to work now for about eight years and um, <laughs> we'll see how long it carries on for
0: well fantastic hopefully it carries on for a long time so Peter, you're a speaker at an event which we at the Foundation are running on the 9th of November, uh, which has a title, Hard Tech and High Value Manufacturing. People who are not experts in this area can have a reasonable guess uh, at what high value manufacturing means. And if anyone wants a better definition, do listen to the podcast recorded with Catherine Bennett from the High Value Manufacturing Catapult, which is broadcast earlier on this channel. But can you help me out here? What do we mean by hard tech? manufacturing? Well the word
1: hard tech really is an effort to talk about companies or businesses that use technology but use technology in order to make things so this differentiates it if you like from soft tech where it, there's loads of people who use technology in, in all its forms in all sorts of activities, Some, many of them service I mean the world of engineering is full of, if you like, soft tech because it is ethereal things, ideas, activities, intellectual capital. Uh, The point about hard tech is that it's trying to say this is clever technology often bundled together. In other words, people who are good at hard tech aren't necessarily just a one technology type company. They are multiple companies technology type companies and they use technology but they use it to make things so sometimes in fact they don't make the things somebody else uses uh, their ideas in order to make something but at the end of the day there is something manufactured so it is a way really of flagging up the importance of manufacturing in the uh, in the 21st century and why technology comes into it in a big way
0: so that's what it is what does it look like in the UK can you describe to me the UK hard-tech sector if there is such a thing Mm -hmm. well well, if if we look at
1: British manufacturing I mean it's it's well known British manufacturing used to be be the biggest manufacturing uh, sector in the world if you go back to about 1895 and now it's about number ten or something like that. Um, it's, it's really because Britain's big economy, and so therefore, even if manufacturing is only ten percent of the economy, which it is, it's, it still comes up to quite a lot. Now, if if you if you pick this apart, this this sector of manufacturing, uh, you get a, a sector of the economy that every year has has total product sales of about four hundred billion pounds. So th- this puts us in a um, puts in our mind, you know, what the size of this thing is. This is the product sales, not service sales, which we can talk about as well. Product sales. Now, how much of that is what we would call hard tech or what I would call hard tech? I've been doing some sums on this. And in fact, you you can pretty much say with some accuracy that something like 40% of that could be categorized in, in my definition as hard tech. In other words, using the companies, businesses using Technology in the sort of way that I described, using multiple technologies, often buttressed by IT, obviously very key in technology, but not 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 necessarily the most important. And and they are the people who would fall within this hard tech sector. The, the other sixty percent are, are companies who often use technology in some way. I mean, virtually everyone does. You've only got to walk down the street to use technology in some way, but. Those that 60% would be doing things which which are perhaps more ordinary, more conventional, less competitive, have a much lower export ratio, mm. which is really the proxy for ability to compete on, the, on a global level. And they'd be, I mean, th- the food industry, for example, constitutes something like one fifth of the whole of manufacturing output in the United Kingdom, quite a low export ratio, perhaps something like 10%. Now that's because a lot of food processing isn't particularly rich in technology. Certainly so there'd be some food companies who who you would categorise as hard tech. I, I'd, for example, categorise the, the new companies using insects as a, as a p- part of the formula for the food. Yeah. I'd call that hard tech, even though um, in- insects are obviously rather soft and squishy. Um, They'd still in, for in my definition of hard, hard tech. Um, So you can see pretty quickly how you can come to the conclusion quite a large percentage of British manufacturing is what I would call hard tech.
0: And that means that it's a combination of prime companies, supply chains, people who are clearly within one sector. And people who supply across several sectors—is that—is that right?
1: Yes, that's a reasonable way of looking at it. I mean, it, it, the, the the best way of looking at it, I suppose, is to think of particular examples of companies who would be would fall within my definition. I mean, again, you've only got to sort of think through this, the obvious sectors of of manufacturing. Um, I've mentioned food, which is the biggest in in this country. Second biggest is uh, transportation equipment, i.e. things that go on wheels, plus cars, aeroplanes, but both of them with a high export ratio, something like 50% in the case of motor vehicles and 70% in the case of aerospace. Now most of the companies within th- those two sectors would in my definition be character- characterised as hard tech. If you're a company making cars in Britain you've got to be good at multiple technologies to mm. do with propulsion, more and more electric electrification of course, all sorts of materials you need to be good at, certainly you need to be good at electronics and IT, same goes for aerospace, but I mean still thinking of things on wheels, obviously most people call it, sort of think in their minds, yes a car is pretty clever isn't it, hard, hard technology, yeah w- we'd, we'd buy that, but let's talk about some other companies who might not be so obvious to the um, person in the street I suppose another wheeled thing is uh, Brompton Bicycle. Now talking about your event on the 9th of November of course Will Butler-Adams is the chief executive of Brompton Bicycle and who's had a great deal of success running that company he's one of the speakers Brompton Bicycle is a hard tech company without any doubt. Uh, Why is that? It's not because it uses any sort of amazingly new technology. In fact, what they use as the prime thing that makes them good is a centuries old technology called brazing, a way of joining together metal in a very exact way, but you, you, can, you can do it with specific sorts of very light metals. And they're terrific at that. And they've, they've honed that technology to mm. make it relevant to the 21st century. They've juxtaposed that with some clever, some incredibly clever engineering and design. They, they're good at making plastic parts as well, which, which are often uh, specified to their own requirements and it's all backed up with a lot of automation and IT. They're they're very good at it, they export a lot. This is a prime hard tech company Mm. for you.
0: I want to ask you about geographical spread across the UK and sitting with a sort of a, a, a policy interest as I always do, one of the Things that the government has been particularly keen on over the last three or four years has been this idea of levelling up uh, and about regional disparity. Is there a potential contribution of hard tech to that? What's the sort of regional distribution of hard tech companies? Um,
1: uh, undoubtedly, there's, there's a huge contribution of these sorts of companies to whatever emerges as a levelling up agenda when all the various government turbulences are resolved if like they ever are. Again, if you think about manufacturing in general, it's a relatively small part of the economy in the way we normally count it. But if you consider the way its influence permeates the economy, it's 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 a it's a big user of skills. It's a big purchaser of or, or spender of R and D. Well over half of private sector R and D is done by manufacturing. It's it's a big contributor to exports. Nearly half of total British manufacturing is exported. Now these hard tech companies I've just talked about um, are, are, are doing all that. But if you like a bit more, their 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 export potential is higher. Their their um, use of skills is higher. Their investments are normally higher. Manufacturing productivity is is often twice as much depending on the sectors but is often twice as much as, as the next relevant services uh, sector so having more of these companies around is is good for the economy mm. the, the w- one of the reasons why British productivity was never very never never very good by international standards but one of the reasons why British productivity since 2008 has actually started to lag behind even more some of the other competitive countries is because the amount of manufacturing in the economy compared to everything else has continued to decline Mm. a a bit, not so much, but a bit. That of course has an effect on total productivity. Generally speaking the more manufacturing you've got in the economy, assuming they're good manufacturers which they have to be really if they're still alive and doing things, uh, the, the higher the productivity. Now, in terms of where these companies are, they are pretty much distributed around Great Britain, unlike financial services, which the, 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 the big. Yeah, uh, it's mainly parts in London, of, yeah. yeah. Uh, in yeah. A sort of London and the South East. A lot, a lot of these companies are scattered around in many of the places where the government and other thinkers. Uh, uh, trying to say, yes, we could have a bit of levelling up. Mm. Um, Now, certainly, I I read that levelling up white paper, which, as many people have said, was a a good one. And it did talk about manufacturing to some degree, but not in as pointed a way as I would have done. Uh, I would have put quite a lot more emphasis on just the sort of things I've just been saying in order Mm. to say, look, we we want more of those companies, and we want to strengthen the companies who are around, Mm. because... It's not just because we're sort of fascinated in manufacturing or whatever, it's because it's good for the economy.
0: Mm. Well, let me take you in another direction. One of the things that you mentioned during your remarks uh, was about skills. And I guess the question is, do hard tech companies have access to the skills that they need to carry on developing and growing? Is there more that the system, whatever the system is, needs to do to deliver people with the right skills to them?
1: Well th- this is the number one question for all sorts of companies of course not, not just hard tech manufacturers but the answer is a lot more has to be done in order to, to or, or, or to provide the pool of young people in particular who are there who can who can go and work in these sorts of companies and there's there's all sorts of issues here I mean one is the companies themselves often aren't very good at banging a drum about themselves. They're perhaps the, 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 the world's worst public relations merchants. They, they they love just getting on with their own thing and doing things and and, and then they're, they're not particularly sort of out there telling everyone about what, what, what they're doing. In a way this sort of Element of being self effacing is to be admired, I suppose, but at the same time, you think, well, uh, they could do a bit more to inform uh, the world about them, and, th- and then maybe they'll get more p- people sort of queuing up at their door to want to work for them. I mean, certainly when you talk to the big guns of this world, the, 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 um, uh, the BAE Systems, the Rolls Royces, who, of, of course, are hard tech companies, uh, the big car companies they do have people queuing up at their doors to be apprentices and so on well good good for them but that sort of ability to attract younger people to to, to these companies doesn't exist so much for some of, the, a lot of these medium-sized companies uh, who, who are the ones who i think are the most interesting because they're the ones who most people don't re- really know
0: anything about and they're the ones who perhaps need, need the most help so is it a lack of people with the skills or is it a lack of understanding of the opportunities that exist in hard tech manufacturing?
1: Well I I, I think it's mainly the second i.e. a a lack of awareness Mm. but certainly there's a lot more that could be done with skills in terms of people coming out of this as you called it the system whatever that might be the the, the combination of schools Mm. universities training uh, operations just companies doing their own training in a in sometimes not a particularly structured way certainly more, more could be done on that level, but, but the, the level of understanding is not there the level of understanding at the, at the level of the young person but also his or her parents the people around them the, the, the people who are who are the influencers on the young people I mean this comes back to Made Here Now because Made Here Now's agenda is to try and say look we don't particularly know how to sort of conjure up language that would appeal to 16 year olds or, or, or whoever might we, we might really want to influence here in the end although we hope that they are sort of knowledgeable about you know what makes a good story and uh, if we write clearly enough um, same same everybody else they'll understand what the story is but we're we're trying to say look we want to communicate not just to the young people if if we can but all the other people clustered around them who are influencing them
0: Mm. well you mentioned politics throughout this once or twice we obviously have a new prime minister a new chancellor a new secretary of state for business once the current immediate political issues have died down a little bit What would you like to see from them in order to kind of support hard tech manufacturing?
1: First start with this point that I mentioned about the understanding and Mm. the recognition of such businesses. Very often you just get the feeling really that at the levels of government they're sort of paying lip service to a number of things but they don't really understand what's going on and same is true of manufacturing I've, I've mentioned before that Britain is a peculiar nation because it was the world's biggest without a doubt everyone sort of they don't necessarily remember it from their own lives but they it's all it's all part of their their growing up really the Britain is this huge manufacturer and now we've slipped away and we're not very good at it anymore that's the sort of this description that exists in people's minds and so therefore when you, when a new government minister for the upteenth time comes into the business department he, he they, they have mainly been he's would say oh yes uh, manufacturing yes it's good isn't it we want a bit of that uh, but without understanding it no you don't necessarily expect ministers to understand things because they're often there only for a relatively short time but you certainly hope a few of their top civil servants would and I think in the ranks of the business department, it's, it's had an incredible number of changes. Uh, the, the number of people who really understand what's going on at, at the sort of l- level I'm talking about is, is diminished entirely. And I would like more evidence that there is this understanding. I mean, they, they could start, if you like, by doing a, a white paper on the topic, or not make, call it what they will, discussion document, mm where some of the companies I'm talking about uh, are, are identifiers, pe- people sort of point them out and say, yeah, this, these, these are some examples. I mean, if you, if you ever wanted to do another podcast with me, I could talk for half an hour about who these companies are, but obviously I'm, I'm not going to hear. But at the level of the business department or whatever government department is interested in this sort of thing, they, they could start by mm-hmm homing in on that sector. A lot of biotechnology which does get acknowledged would again fall into what I'm talking about at the end of the day somebody's got to make drugs or vaccines or diagnostic kits etc which a lot of these biotech companies are are working at.
0: Yeah, Well let's put an optimistic hat on and let me just finish with this question assuming some of the upsides that you've been talking about as possibilities happen where could we get to in UK hard tech over the next five years, next ten years?
1: Well I think the most optimistic way of looking at all this would be to say that Britain clings on to some of these good companies who, who are there hopefully they would get a bit bigger, they would uh, acquire a few companies, I, I believe this myself but it's generally regarded as, as a tr- true thing that Britain doesn't have enough big companies who are who, who are punching are doing well on global global markets and and have the sort of size and structure to cope with some of the problems that we've got at the moment. So you, you could do with some of these companies getting a bit bigger. I mean, JCB, hard tech company, is is really apart from Dyson, which 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 also is a hard tech company, even though it doesn't make things in Britain. It's also a hard tech company. They're, they're the only two large manufacturing companies that have been set up in the, in the last 50 years or so that, that, that are still here not owned by somebody else and, and, and are doing well on on a global le- on a global level. So, so you, you want more of those companies to be around you want more of them to be visible you want them to be bigger and now how that comes about I, I don't know I'll leave it up to the companies to sort out but certainly as, as a UK economy we would say yes we want more of those businesses. By the same token you could start to argue we want fewer of them being acquired by other companies mm. but I mean a, a big tendency of course has been over the last 10-20 years for a lot of the really interesting and good companies to be purchased often by American companies. We had a number of examples of of, of that but many of those manufacturers, the defence manufacturers for example Ultra, Megit, etc. Again, are hard tech companies. They have been acquired. Now, it's not always a bad thing. Often though, it is because these companies lose visibility uh, in in Britain. No one really knows what's going on. They don't report their results. They're buried within an American company. Sometimes the American partner uh, or parent can be a good company. Sometimes it's not a very good Hmm. uh, uh, owner of the company and Britain loses a bit of its identity. Now, how the government legislates for that, again, is, is very difficult because it's it's against the sort of free market tendencies for, for Britain, for where, you, where you don't want companies from other. You, you, you don't want to sort of set up the barricades. So I'll leave it unclear about just how you engineer this sort of thing, but certainly if you're asking me to put an optimistic spin on that, on the future, we would want fewer of these companies, which I think I I have identified as the good ones, the ones we wanted Britain to be acquired, to become less visible. And so if if there's a way of of engineering that, then at least we've got somewhere. And I suppose at the same time, we would like to see more of these smaller companies, some some of them very small, small hard tech companies, such as the ones which are, are part of the 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 Bessemer Society, which of course you you know mm-hmm. about. The Bessemer Society is a very nice entity uh, that that is a sort of vehicle for an umbrella vehicle for a lot of these what I would call hard tech companies. So you'd want a lot of the companies who are within that organisation, a loose organisation, bring some of these together. You want more of those companies to, to, to evolve and develop become big and visible now as i say how all this comes about we we will leave to other people
0: we will have to see and that sadly is all we have time for today uh, but peter marsh thank you very much thank you gavin you've been listening to the podcast from the foundation for science and technology my guest this week was peter marsh founder of made here now Peter Marsh is a speaker at an event being organised by the Foundation for Science and Technology on the 9th of November, entitled Hard Tech and High Value Manufacturing. Details of that event, which is free to attend, can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk forward slash events. Also on our website are details of all of our other events, all of our blogs, all of our journals, and all previous editions of this podcast. Until next time, goodbye.